I'm Slim Quiggle, your host. This is my uh, third podcast, and I want to welcome everybody. The uh, topic that I want to talk about right now today has to do with uh, the slave mentality and how technology is driving it. So I want everybody to think back through their day, think back through your week or your month. How many times have you been in the room with people or in a car with people, and they're not paying any attention to the people around them. They're looking down at their phone. They are immersed in it. You could probably pickpocket them and they would not know. Now, this is only scratching the surface of what I'm trying to get at. This happens during vacations. This happens at work. This happens when you're with your lover making love and your phone rings on the table next to you. Your mind reaches out to that phone and you almost want to pick it up, even when you're making love to your woman. Now, this is for people, people act like this even when they didn't have cell phones while they were children. Now, imagine growing up with cell phones, having them right at your reach through your entire life from before puberty until after puberty. Because that's the generation that we're raising right now. These poor kids will not know what it's like to live without a phone, to live without technology right at their fingertips. And that's that's a little scary because, you know, these kids aren't going to know how to live in a, a disaster, in an emergency. They're only going to know what the internet tells them. And I think this is really detrimental to society as a whole because now people aren't going to remember facts. Yeah, they're not going to remember facts anymore. There's no reason to learn anything. If you can get information at the blink of an eye through a brain interface, which is what they're coming out with now, okay? It's called a neural lace. Or right through your phone. What's the purpose of memorizing anything anymore. Why not just skip school? Why not skip all social interactions and do everything through the internet? That's where we're headed. That's the world we are about to enter here going into 2020. It's not far away and it's not far-fetched at all. It's been advertised. It's been in our face this whole time. From the books 1984 to A Brave New World, they've been telling us the world, the elite, they, that's who I, I'm talking about. They've been telling us the world they're driving us towards. And that world is not a world of freedom and individuality. That's a world of collectivism and tyranny. And you might be asking yourself, well, Slim, how the hell do you know this stuff? You know, why are you such an expert? Well, let me tell you. I study the subject matter that I'm talking about. I've been a student of technology my entire life. From the day a computer and the internet set foot in my house as a child. I think I was like 13 or 14 years old. The day it set foot in my house, 
I was tinkering with it, and I was browsing over the internet learning things. And that meant reading a lot back in the day, and also, you know, waiting for a lot of stuff to load, because back then it just just loaded pixel by pixel. So, you had to wait for your porn. It wasn't instant back then. Not like today, where you can go to any number of free porn sites and instantly have uh, an image of, you know, three people having intercourse with each other. Find exactly what you're looking for. When I wanted to look for that, I had to go find an old raggedy magazine and dig it out of the dirt, flatten it maybe with a, a heavy weight, and then hide it in deep in my, the back of my closet just for a snippet of a little corner of a boob. But now kids have gangbangs. Interracial gangbangs, midget gangbangs, college gangbangs, whatever they want online. And I do think that that's altering our brain chemistry. It's altering how we interact with each other. It's also changing what it's like to be a kid growing up and fantasizing about women. Even when I was growing up, porn was available online, but it wasn't fast and it wasn't like it is now. Even I had had people asking me and you know other friends what certain female body parts were like. I don't think kids ask each other that anymore. I think they might ask Google, but they don't they don't talk about it with each other anymore. And that's that's a detriment. A lot of these things, a lot of uh, subjects that we would normally have learned from one another, we are literally now just not conversing with each other at all and learning these things from the internet. Which means we're putting ourselves into this cage. We're locking ourselves into a reality, into a world, into a dimension even, that we don't control. Now, in, in the third dimension, in what you would call reality, we have control because we have free will. We don't have complete control, right? I mean, we can't make it rain whenever. But in the internet world, we're going to have even less control. The past 20 years on the internet could be well compared to the Wild West when America was expanding out west. You had your outlaws, you had your, your good guys, and you had your people just out there trying to build a business, trying to settle out in this new territory. Well, you can look at this new era of the internet kind of like the kind of like the civilizing effect to the West. Even though it really wasn't civilizing, it was uh, it was the breakdown of the freedom of the West. And that's what we're about to witness is the breakdown of the freedom of the internet. It's long been been speculated that we'll soon have to access the internet through utilizing a worldwide ID card or chip in our hand. And I think that that's inevitable. I think the, the, the event that's going to spurt that off is going to be some kind of planned disaster. Or as many people would call it, a false flag. I think that that's what's going to culminate the world bodies and push them, not going, I said that wrong. I think that's what's going to bring them and push them towards a decision, which they already know they're going to make. They just need the action 
Remember, that's how these guys work. That's the Hegelian dialect. Problem, reaction, solution. They're going to cause a problem that makes people react in a way that they need protected. And then they're going to give the solution, which they already have. They already have it. All ISPs already scan your traffic. They know what you're downloading. And they can shut off your connection like that. Now they don't do it right now because that would put people in an uproar. But it's coming. When it becomes a law, you're going to see it happen over and over and over again. People might be being deplatformed from certain sites now, but it's only the tip of the iceberg. It's only the beginning. Now, I used to be a hardcore listener of Alex Jones and InfoWars, but I've, I'm starting to feel that he may definitely be controlled opposition. Now, I've felt this way for a long time, but I think that he's part of it, part of the whole plan. He's there telling us that what's going to happen. He's telling us straight up. Now think about this. Alex Jones tells us that the globalists tell us what they're doing ahead of time. But he's the one out there telling us. So does that mean that he's the mouthpiece for the globalists to tell us what they're doing? Because they know that we won't do anything unless we're so uncomfortable that it forces us into action. They also know that if they put a, put a honeypot out there, like Alex Jones, that all the people who oppose their ideas are going to flock to him, and then they know who's all, who all is going to oppose. Now, I'll tell you, I believe that InfoWars' systems have been hacked at some points, because... Um, I've purchased things from them in the past, and I think that uh, there's been a time where I've purchased something and my card has been uh, released to them because I saw certain charges afterwards. Now, that's a malicious hack, but I think that, uh, that they're also losing data purposefully, maybe, to globalist entities to be able to track us. Wouldn't that be the ultimate database for them to get access to? Do you really think that Alex Jones and his small staff of 100 people can protect against the world's greatest hackers who are being paid millions of dollars to hack for nation states? No. No. Are you crazy? So what do you guys think? Is Alex Jones a honeypot? I don't know. I do still listen to him because I do think he has some relevant information that I utilize to fit into uh, what I see happening in the world. But I don't take everything that he says at face value, and I always treat him with suspicion. Because I think he actually could be Bill Hicks. I've done that research. I think that uh, it's all a LARP, and that's who Alex Jones is. I really do. Now, that being said, I think Alex is one of the people drawing us into the control grid because he's out there warning us about it. Yet, he's inundating his set with more and more of it. He's, he's giving us more and more lists to sign up to, more and more trackable ways to come and watch him. Now, I don't know. I, I might just be taking a little bit overboard because I don't know whether Alex is or not. He could actually be legit in looking out for us. 
I don't know for sure. But it makes a lot of sense if uh, if he would be the controlled opposition. Because usually somebody that's out there as big of a platform as he has railing against the elite without having their protection would have been attacked and bumped much more than Alex Jones has been. I mean, have you guys ever seen anybody actually attack him? No. Well, I guess maybe because he'd fight back. I don't know. He does seem like he's a pretty aggressive guy. But we, you know, also we've really seen is him being pushed off of platforms, which has driven his rev- it's driven his revenue out through the roof. So many people went and donated and bought things from him when he did that. So I think it might be part of the uh, the mind twisting agenda. And I know I got a little bit off topic here talking about Alex Jones and everything, but as I was discussing everything, it just kind of popped into my head, and I had to I had to go that direction. But a lot of the conditioning that we've been taking to push us into this crazy future AI world comes from 9-11. A lot of it stems directly from 9-11. And it comes from the Patriot Act and things that were put in place after 9-11, such as when we go to fly within our own country, we are molested and patted down like criminals. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yet, it doesn't seem that way anymore. I've been taken to jail before without being proven guilty and sat there. Now, luckily, I could pay my bail. But many people can't, so they sit there for days and in some places, months, and in some places, years on end without a trial. That is not America. That's against the Constitution, and I don't care who they are. They shouldn't sit there that long. If our court systems are that backed up, we need to do something to make them go faster. Now, I know I talk out against technology a lot, and I say how evil it is and how everything's coming, but but there are good uses for technology, and that would be one of them speeding up our courts. Why can't we use technology to make the courts go faster rather than manual paperwork? Why can't we use technology to vote in our representatives? And I realize there's always the scare of hacking. But why can't we get some of the best developers and best security guys out there to keep an eye on the polls, to keep an eye on these devices and make sure no nefarious activity is going on? It can be done. We just have to invest the time and the resources into doing it. And why nobody wants to invest the time and resources into privacy, into protecting themselves and making a better world? I, it's beyond me. It seems like people only want to invest their time and technology in, into inventing things that, that just make them money and don't actually benefit many people. Really, how do most of these apps actually benefit us? Well, we can turn a flashlight on. We can have a compass in our hand. How's that helping your life, really? Have you ever been lost in the forest and pulled out your cell phone and said, let me navigate home? No. Maybe for GPS. That's the only relevant one that I can really see that it can be useful and uh, avoid a life and death situation. But there's not much else on the phone. Yeah, you can call people, you know, in a life and death, death situation. But um, you can do that with an old cell phone, any kind of cell phone. 
So I'm going to end this episode here for today. I do want to thank anybody who's joined me. Don't forget to come find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Slim Quiggle, S-L-I-M-Q-U-I-G-G-L-E. And you can find, uh, you can also find me at uh, Slim Vision or Slim Quiggle pretty much anywhere on the internet. Just look for me everywhere, Slim Quiggle, Slim Vision. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. God bless.